listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. In Chapter 5 of Jack Cornfield's book, After the Ecstasy, the Laundry, we are made aware of several things. He walks us through, I think, quite a remarkably beautiful passage into what he calls the gate of emptiness, nothing and everything. And we can experience this nothing and everything quite often without knowing it. One of the key elements of practice is a, is a series of steps that we take in order to kind of, um, how shall I say, I want to say apprehend, although that sounds so much like an attack. It's not really an attack as much as it is just a, an opening to this emptiness, a recognition that it's not outside of us, it's also within us. And it comes in three, three steps. But you must promise after I give you the steps, you let go of them, okay? <laughs> stepless steps. You're not going to get anywhere. You'll get nowhere if you take these stepless steps, which is kind of the point. But the first step is having a very clear relationship with the mind. It's the first step clear relationship with the mind, that there is a just resonant clarity with all things that arise in your mind, all thoughts, with all of your thoughts, that there is clarity. We practice sometimes as we're sitting, recognizing whether the thoughts are from our past, there's something that have happened before, they're an evaluation or a judgment or they are a future plan for mind is cooking. If we're cooking, remembering, or judging, having that type of clarity as we live in our day-to-day -day is a key first step. And that is enhanced immeasurably by meditative practice. The second step is having a very clear relationship with our feelings. And by this, I'm, I'm actually uh, squishing together here emotions and sensations, but particularly emotions. All right? We have a very clear relationship with these emotions. And this means we have to kind of realign our experience with what's honestly going on inside our hearts. What's really, really going on inside our hearts? How are you feeling? It's a great question to ask yourself during the day. How am I really feeling right now? And just check in. We can do this with the previous step. 
what's going on in my mind right now? Oddly enough, this is nothing other than meditation. You don't have to be on the cushion or on your chair to be meditating. This can happen at any time during the day. Once you get really good at it, you practice it in your sleep with your dreams. What's really going on here? And when you get super good at it, even in your dreams, when you're not dreaming at all, there still can be awareness. And once you get there, give me a call and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. The third step, <laughs> the third step is having an absolute clarity about our relationship to something that relates to the very first step. And that's time. Having an absolutely clear relationship with time. Recognizing where your tendencies are. We've talked about this in the last few sessions. You know, I tend to be future oriented or I tend to be kind of dwelling in my past or I find myself incredibly judgmental. And if you're incredibly judgmental, while that occurs with whatever is arising in the present moment, judgments are constantly influenced by what's already happened or what you fear happening. It's like a Venn diagram kind of in that middle space right there. We have judgments that can involve either, but it's all activity of mind. If we are very clear about our relationship to time, we start freeing some things up because we recognize that all that is ever present, the only thing that is always already there is now. And we can see the now, experience the now, feel the now, know with a capital K, the now, when our thoughts part. And we can recognize space between one arising thought and another. That space right there is what enfolds all of our thoughts. And it's actually what's substantive, even though it has no substance, it's what creates thoughts. It's where thoughts spring from. It infuses thoughts, that space. But we're trained to recognize the thought as being solid. The same applies with our emotions. Emotions arise. Where do they arise from? They arise from this great gate of emptiness. They come marching through the gate of emptiness. All right? And our minds give them meaning, give them solidity, something that they can grab onto when in fact the, th the thought and the feeling was merely born out of emptiness and is subsumed and infused with emptiness. You can't see that or know that unless you're coming from a place beyond mind. The same applies with time. In this now, we can experience the now whenever we can experience the space between the thought patterns, between the emotions, when we can experience the stillness between the thoughts, whenever we experience radical stillness, we are experiencing this moment only, the now. 
And this is exactly what's being articulated in chapter 5. From where does our life of joy and sorrow arise, he writes, very first paragraph. When the source of creation is personified, it is given names like Allah, Brahma, or God. The divine source can also be experienced outside of personification. Mystics and meditators who describe this source experience the cosmos as coming out of a sacred emptiness, a great void. Jewish mystics describe it like this. Out of emptiness, do you want, I can give a Yiddish accent here. Out of emptiness, God has made the world. It exists. It exists in the heart of God alone. Oi. To know our place, we must again become as nothing. I love that line. To know our place, we must again become as nothing. And then what is holy will move through us and illuminate all that we do. We're speaking the same language, exactly the same language. These Jewish mystics and Dr. Kornfeld and me at this moment. It's the same stuff, okay? So I'd like to group up here and I would like the rest of this uh, uh, time together to really go back into this space of dialogue. But I would like for you to apprehend the, the text, if you have one with you, and you and your group. Pick, pick again one or two things that strike you. One or two things that strike you that, creates, that create questions. That create questions. Why in Zen and in actually most uh, uh, deep uh, spiritual traditions, non-dual spiritual traditions, why is questioning the big deal? Because it's not about knowing, it's about wondering. Knowing is our contraction, wondering is our opening. So with your groups, I want you to have fun wondering. I'm gonna let you speak for about five or so minutes, maybe a little bit longer. And if it's okay with you, I explained this to some of you. Um, uh, we had a little bit of life today uh, uh, come our way. Normally, um, I would be leaving my chocolate lab at home, but I had to bring her and she's uh, in the car right now. And if it's okay with you, during our discussion, I'll set her right here. Is that okay? Yes, 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 okay. As long as, she, as, long as she's, she's 80 pounds, she's not gonna fit on your lap too well, but... Uh, um, if that's all right. Does she realize, does she realize she weighs 80 pounds? No. She has no sense. Of, she does not realize that she does not fit on my lap. That's absolutely true. Such a wonderful characteristic of dogs. Make sure you bow to your partners. Okay? Bow to what is holy in each other. Sumi, no. Sumi, come here. Don't sue me. Sue somebody Sumi, else. Down. Oh, I know. Down, girl. I know. Not I know. My dog's gonna go nuts when he gets home. Sumatra. 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 Down. 
Down. Walter. Sumi. Good girl. Stay. Good dog. Good girl. Be still. Now, I have no idea if this is going to work since uh, Labrador breathing is probably picked up on this thing as much as anything else. Trying a new experiment here with our technology. Right, girl? Yeah? Good girl. Good girl. She's alert. How did this land? How did this land with you? What was sparked? Did anything come up in any of the conversations or through these pages that brought up any types of, yeah, exactly, that brought up any type of question? Any type of question? Yeah, and if you could, and by the way, this may sound kind of annoying, but I'm going to probably repeat your questions since we're kind of far apart and we've got dog. Uh, Dog distraction here. But please, go ahead. I don't know how to phrase this, but reading that chapter, the one thing that they talked a lot about was stillness. Mm -hmm. And I realized in my busy life that I was very still. I still have kids at home and I in these And yeah, and I know I kind of know the answer already is that you just you're in the present with everything. Is the is but is your question, how do I get more still? How do I, yes. I mean, do I try to get rid of activities? I mean, the whole time I was reading, I was going, okay, maybe I should get rid of activities and just spend more alone time. Mm -hmm. Or do I try to get rid of activities and just quiet time? They talk about quiet stillness right. and a lot of that. And my life seems to be so packed with stuff. It's hard to, to get that still. Down. I don't feel still. I feel present. Stay. Yeah, right. Well, there are a couple, couple of things I'd love to comment on, um, if I may. And that is that the last thing your ego wants to let you do is be still. Because when you are still, you, ego doesn't have a job. It needs movement. It hunts movement. It hunts everything that moves and puts it in its sights. Right? So that's number one. Uh, number two, perhaps cutting back on the busyness is a way for you to face what's real. Maybe not. You can be. <laughs> Sumi, no. Sumi, stay. Good dog. I'm so sorry. It's, isn't this fascinating? Yeah. Sumi, Sumi need, she lives very much in the now. But if you'll notice, it, her entire life is about distraction. It's not about stillness. She's a year and a half. Um, right, and we're about distractions as well. Right. But so then the, the work, what's really neat about what kind of is coming from your, your comment, we live these busy lives. How the heck can we find stillness in these busy lives? Well. Stillness is all that's there. The busyness is layered over the stillness. And we tend to think that that's what's real. Well, the stillness actually is what gives birth to all busyness. So what we need to do is just allow for the bottom to fall out a little bit of that busyness. And where do we land? 
in the stillness, right? Um, we need discipline for that. That's not about community. That's not about love, warmth, and care. That's not about, I mean, it's all there. But sometimes it's, I'm, I'm actually very interested in generationally how this works. Because my, my, the way I'm kind of seeing this kind of unfold as we've been, you know, in this Sangha for, for this time is that most boomers can't stand that aspect of the practice. The discipline, kind of the, you know what? It's stillness time. You know? And that's, I'm not taking a swipe because none of us would be here were it not for your pushes and pulls in the, you know, post-war post-war era. But adding that element to your life where it's like, you know what? I'm carving out time. Period. You know? And watch what happens. Watch what happens. <laughs> Anyone else? You guys were humming over there, weren't you? You're learning from Lenny from the stage. He loves wearing that hat. He's My bald head. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Where did you? Where did it land, Jennifer? Where did you guys? Uh... We talked a lot about um, the passage we picked was this one that she talked to earlier. Actually, it's on page seventy-four, um, where it starts off with "Emptiness of self shows itself first in our lack of control over our supposedly fixed self." Oh, that, that first sentence there? The, the emptiness of the self shows itself first in our lack of control over our supposedly fixed self. Yeah, isn't that great? And that's why my eye went straight to it. Was that control? Because that continues to be the thing uh-huh. that I love to do. Is to control. Absolutely. Right. And we were talking it's Jim, right? Yeah. Released. Soon it released. Don't wait as long as Jim has. If you can help him. Released. Yeah. I should, you should, he should, we should everybody should. The future should. The future should. Right, right. Um, and there's this balance between it that my head doesn't wrap around well, which is trying to stop. Go. Hang on. Do you get it? Yeah. That's it right there. That in you, which wants to get a handle on it, is the disease. So what, and I use that, that term not as like an illness, because it's not an illness. It's a dis-ease, a lack of balance. So it's like trying to understand sanity by studying the insane. It will never work. So rather than trying to understand this, 
or contextualize it or grok it through a particular tradition or whatever, that, that always gets us into kind of a mess. Instead, just let it over you. Just let it over you. You don't need to conceive of it. You don't need to, and, and right now, my guess is, that in you which is hungering to understand is going, that's bull. <laughs> you know? Easy enough to say, but, but it really is at the core of authentic spirituality. Be it Christian, Hindu, Muslim, Jew, I mean, whatever. It's all, they are all pointing in this direction. What's beyond the tradition itself? What's beyond the tradition itself is exactly what we can't grasp. So, as much as I didn't even let you finish what you were, what you were going with there, try not grasping and see where that leads you. It will lead the ego into a very confused, agitated place, most likely to begin with. But then what do you do? You recognize you have a very clear relationship with that feeling. And when you recognize that feeling, you are no longer bound by that feeling. You can either be an observer that is totally free of that feeling, or you can be caught by it. And you can kind of go back and forth. But what you start recognizing is with practice, it's like, that's a total choice. It's a total choice. And it didn't involve anything intellectual. It didn't involve any type of getting, getting my, my mind around this at all. It just was about being very intimate with your life. And it all miraculously and mysteriously begins to kind of make some sort of sense. Not sense here in the brain, but kind of this felt sense of truth. What's always already been there. And that is you. What's really true is precisely what you are. I promise. I swear. I totally swear. Pinky swear. <laughs> Sumi? Buddha bow. No. No. Sumi. 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 Buddha bow. She does this cool trick. Sumi? Sumi? Buddha bow. Can you do Buddha? There you go. That's a good girl. Thank you very much. You're a fine puppy. Very sweet. She's so desperate to play, right? <laughs> Who else? Did anybody else have anything? That, did you guys have anything in your group, David? Anything that kind of came up, or was it pretty mellow? Pretty mellow. Yeah. Did Victor, did you have a question come up? Or a resistance or a I didn't feel mellow. You didn't feel mellow. Well that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like where I'm at now with it is, I 
Not even bother, you mean not even bother doing the reading? No, no, no. Got it. Meditate. Oh, oh, oh. Isn't there a danger of just becoming a good Buddhist and being able to recite this stuff and know it? Absolutely. Exactly. Right. There's an incredible. You're, you're spot on. There's a total danger in becoming a good Buddhist. Sumi, you need to be a good Buddhist. Down. Yes. We call them dreg slurpers, is what we call good Buddhist practitioners. No, can, can I clarify that though? Just, just so, you, I mean, I, I, your language is great here, but what happens is when we become really good practitioners, what, what in essence are we doing? We're, we're evaluating what good and bad would be a good and bad practitioner, but we're also attaching, right? We're attaching to the teaching that tells us not to attach. Now, Sumi, stay. The, the thing which grasps and the thing which tries to let go the same thing. Yes. But the thing. Well, because the thing that tries to let go is still ego. The thing that has never been caught is exactly where we're going. Okay? The thing that grasps and the thing that tries to let go are exactly the same. But the thing that is free of both, uh, the, the thing that is actually already and always has been free of that process, which is already, all, always already surrendered, that's what happens when the let go occurs. The ego jumps off of its own plank and it goes, what, what did I just do? Right? And that which is left is the thing that can watch this whole theater unfold and sees this as some really good acting. And then what happens is it starts recognizing that that thing that's on stage deserves every bit of our tender, loving care and compassion. Just like a third grader on you know, the school plays stage. So. So the grasper and the releaser are both things, right? But the always already released is not bound by any concept. It's free, total freedom, and it's absolutely still. It's what is let go into. It's let, what, what lets go is let, it, it, it surrenders its grasp into freedom. That's why we meditate. We practice that very move. And what's that move? Non-movement. What's left? What's left when we practice that? Because if you can recite this stuff, you know, that's really cool, but that's all it is. It's just mind activity. It's just mind. What we're talking about here is a direct path towards realization. The direct route, okay? And if you've already read all this stuff, I, I know you have because we've talked about this, you already have all this stuff down and you're still finding yourself frustrated, it's because there's still something in you that's really seeking. 
the seeker is ego trying to wear the Buddha's robe. And that robe won't fit. You get lost in it. The ego gets lost in it. It's like, you know, where's the armhole? You know? So we keep practicing with just total tenderness. We keep approaching our stillness. Keep approaching the stillness. Keep approaching the stillness. Keep stillness. Stillness. And then we do it in the next moment. And what happens is the now starts showing up as a seamless monument. And we rest there. There's no struggle. We just get to participate in life from a place that's deeply, deeply connected to a clear relationship with thought, a clear relationship with our feelings and emotions, and a very clear recognition of time and timelessness. Right, girl? <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I swear to God. I love you with my whole heart. I love you with my whole heart, honey, but you are absolutely making the... You are making this experience. Oh. That was fun. It's like on a slide. Thanks for coming.